Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Today, the question we are going to tackle, we're going to wrestle with is this. If God is real, why is there suffering, pain, evil? Maybe you've been asked this by a coworker. Maybe it's something you're asking yourself. Maybe a family member that knows that you go to church, but they're not really involved in church and not really, they're not really for Christianity. Will will ask you, well, God doesn't exist because of X, Y, and Z. And so I want us to try our best to answer this question biblically. And I'm gonna do my best to make sure that um, you feel you leave here with hope and encouragement that God is good even when times are bad. And um, if you're taking notes, that's literally what I wanna talk the title from is this, how to believe God is good when life is not. How to believe God is good when life is not. And uh, I believe that you're gonna leave here better than how you came in. And uh, whatever storms may come, maybe you're in a storm right now, the best place to be is near God and close to Him. And so let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us. God, we're here. We showed up. We're in the seats. Your word is going to be open. It's going to be taught. And we just want to hear from you more than just me, a mere man on, man on a microphone. We want to hear from you, Holy Spirit. What do you have to say to us? What do you want to challenge us with? What do you want to encourage us with? And I just pray that everybody would know that here today, they were brought here for a reason. There's no accidents in the building today. God, you yourself brought them here. Pray for anybody that doesn't know you, Jesus. They don't have a relationship with you, Jesus. They're maybe running from Christianity. They have questions about Christianity. I just pray that today, God, you would reveal your love to them and that you, you desire a relationship with all people. And I pray they would make a decision today to, make it, to, to follow after you, Jesus, to surrender their life and to start a beautiful, beautiful life with you. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. On December 26, 2004, the word tsunami beat out the word sushi as the most well-known or widely known Japanese word. And the reason being, and maybe some of you have, you know your history and you know what I'm going to talk about, but on that day, December 26, 2004, a tsunami, a massive tsunami, a 9.0 on the Richter scale, some of the record, it's a record-breaking number, killed more than 250,000 people around the rim of the Indian Ocean. Incredible, incredible, massive, natural travesty. And over the following weeks, newspapers and magazines were full of letters and, ar and articles asking, where was God? Where was God? One reporter even said this, if God is God, he's not good. If God is good, he's not God. You can't have it both ways, especially after the Indian Ocean catastrophe. Since that tragic day, even before the tragic events of December 26, 2004, many people, bloggers, authors, uh, philosophers, atheists, have literally argued and questioned the credibility of faith in God in light of such tragic events. Think about it, tsunamis, mass shootings, abortion, murder, the list goes on and on. And if we could be honest, sometimes all we can do as believers is ask, why God? 
Why? Why do these things happen? Why are they allowed? Why are they, why are they going on if you are good? You see, what I've noticed for many people when they wrestle with Christianity or make a decision to be a Christian, it's not the issue with following the Bible or even following Jesus, which that, that plays a role in it. But I really believe what holds people back from believing Christianity or giving their faith to Jesus is not having the answer to the biggest problem, which is the presence of evil and suffering. The fact that there's evil and suffering, I just can't believe in Christianity. Because of evil, suffering, and pain, there's a philosophical problem that literally calls into question the very existence of God. But maybe somebody is not on that side of the argument. They're saying, I don't care. I'm not here to argue whether God exists or not. I can't trust him. I can't put my faith in him because he allows history and life to proceed as it is. All these things happening and everything is going unchecked. And maybe you're a believer here today. And this is something you are doubting. This is something that you are in turmoil with. You have tension with these questions. Or maybe you're today and you don't even believe in Jesus. You don't, you don't believe in God. You don't believe in the church. And, 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 and you might find yourself in one or two of these categories, maybe both. And you're wrestling with some questions. What in the world is happening? Why is there evil? If God is good, then I will always have a job. If God loves me, then why does my family member have cancer? Why did, you, why did God allow this abuse to happen to me? God, why do you let evil people hurt others? And when we pass through these difficult times and ask these sort of questions, we can be disappointed in God. We can feel like God let us down. And maybe you're angry, you're frustrated, you're upset, and your hope is thin. Maybe your faith in Jesus himself is wavering. And if, if we could be honest, some of you in this room today might be on the edge of saying, you know what? I think I'm going to choose to turn away from God because this is too tough. I'm going to choose to turn away from God because I just can't fathom, I can't comprehend why a good God would allow these things to happen. And so before we go further, just to kind of set the tone for where I want to go with this message, I want to give you a statement that I think can help you if we if we really see what I'm trying to say here, and this is the statement before we go any further that I want to just set the tone for the message is this. A disbelief in God will not lead to a disappearance of evil, suffering, and pain. Here's what I believe. You can say, I'll never believe in God ever again. Okay, great. We'll give you that. But guess what's not going to change? That you're not, you're going to still experience evil. You're still going to experience suffering. You're still going to experience pain. So what I'm going to choose and what I believe, I hope and I pray that all of us would choose to do that. When we do suffer, I'd rather do it with God than without God. That if I'm going to go through some storms, I'd rather be near God than far away from God. And yes, I'll wrestle with some questions. And yes, I may doubt. And yes, I may feel like giving up. But I'm going to stay close to God because I know it's the safest and best place to be. Because he's not scared of my questions or my doubts or my concerns because he's God. And so here's the thing. You have freedom to say, I don't believe. Okay, but it will not change because just because you believe that all those things are going to go away. They're going to happen. It's going to come into our life. And so these things are unavoidable. I'd rather be with God than without God. So my goal today is to teach and to show you this. Christianity makes sense of, gives meaning to, and offers a solution for the evil and suffering we experience. 
the religion of Christianity, the following of Jesus Christ and worshiping him and serving him and reading our Bibles and surrendering our lives to his will, it makes sense of, gives meaning to, and offers a solution for evil and suffering that we will experience in this life. Here's what I believe. The Bible never says there is no evil. The Bible never says that God is oblivious to evil. The Bible never suggests that God is confused about evil. The Bible does not shy away, this is the truth, does not shy away from sharing about suffering. It's all, through, it's all throughout scripture. Job, let's talk about Job. Job was a man of God, loved God, worshiped God. But Satan goes, I bet you he won't worship you if, I, if, if you let me touch his life and ruin his life. So what happens, Job literally loses everything. Family, killed. Livestock, killed. Financial prosperity, gone. Physical healing and, he and healthiness, gone. Gone, suffering after suffering. David, we all know the stories of David. David is literally the equivalent to Kurt Cobain when it comes to Old Testament songs. If you listen to a Psalm of David, it is depressing. He's always in suffering. He's going through trials, whether it's being chased by Saul, whether it's not having a home, whether it's sinning, whether he is going from suffering to suffering, what it seems like when you read the Psalms. Okay, that's just Old Testament. Let's talk about New Testament. John the Baptist was literally called to prepare the way for Jesus, served Jesus, loved Jesus, didn't take credit for his achievements, but made sure it was everything was about, he did things the right way. And where did they get him? In prison. And guess what? You would think because what I do for Jesus, he'll get me out of prison, right? Like, Jesus is gonna get me out. Nope. Stays in prison, gets out of prison, and is beheaded. Suffering, evil, pain. There's a prophet we may never, may never have heard of, but I wanna focus on the words he has to say. And the prophet, his name is Asaph. And Asaph was a prophet. He was also a worship leader. So if we were here on a Sunday, Asaph would be leading us. He was a singer, music. He was an incredible prophet and a worship leader. And he says this in Psalm 73, verses 11 through 14, that I think will resonate with all of us. He says this, what does God know? They ask. Does the most high, another word for God, another name for God, even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. It's a prophet of God. In fact, all of us can resonate with these words. This, this, this language that Asaph is using could be the same language to talk about our lives. And before I go further, I want to break some things down even further. And this is the truth. When it comes to pain, evil, and suffering... There are macro reasons and micro reasons for why these things are happening in your life. So the macro, the big picture of why there's pain, suffering, and evil is this, is that there is some sort of biblical reasoning. God is trying to show us something, do something for us, in us, mature us. There is a reason for the pain and suffering to happen. The macro level, why, why is this happening? Why is God allowing it? The Bible is clear and super helpful when it comes to that. The micro is the highly specific and personal thing that you're going with that may never be answered. It may never be answered. 
and I can't come up in here and do and not do justice by you and just say a bunch of stuff that may make you feel good and make you feel nice and it might be heresy. No, I promise you, I, I, I will try my best to break this down and give you hope and give you encouragement in the Holy Spirit through me. But some of what you're going through may not be answered until you see God face to face in heaven. And I just pray that what is said today will help you to your specific situation. The Holy Spirit would drop these words and it would just comfort you for your situation. And so in, in other words, I, I'm not going to attempt to explain things that God has not explained to any of us. I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I am going to explain what God has already explained so we can find hope, so we can mature in our faith, so we can see the power of God that we worship out on Sundays, that we hear on these pulpit on Sunday in our Monday through Friday. The power and comfort of God, and I want to help us experience that. So I want some questions that I think all of us are asking, and I want to break this down and give you an answer to help you and to help us. So the first question is this. If God is loving then why would he allow suffering, right? That's kind of what we mentioned a little bit earlier, but let's, let's break this down. Why does he allow suffering? If God is loving, if he loves me, why am I suffering? Why am I experiencing evil and pain? And the answer is this. If love is a choice, then suffering is a possibility. If love is a choice, then suffering is possible. And why is that? It's because there's a gift that God has given every single one of us called free will. Free will is the ability to choose different things. So all of us, everybody in this room, you have the ability to choose to do what's right. But you also have the ability to choose what is wrong. You have the ability to choose what is good. But you also, on the flip side, have an ability to choose what is evil. And I believe that suffering comes from that freedom of choice. It comes, it's spawned from that freedom of choice. Now, if I choose what is right for me, does that mean I'll never suffer? No. But if I choose what is wrong, does that mean that I'll suffer? Eventually, and most of the time, yes. Yes. Then why free will, Phil? Why, why did God give us free will? This seems like it's very complicated. It seems like there's, there's, there's more negatives than positives. Why free will? Because that is the only way love is possible. It's the only way love is possible. If we don't have free will, then we are forced to love God. If, if we didn't have free will, then I'm forced to love this person or this person. I'm forced. And forcing somebody to love you is not love. So why free will? It's because God does not want to be worshipped by rocks or robots. You are not a rock. You are not a robot. And here's the good news. He wants a relationship with you. So the choice we make is I will choose to worship him. I will choose to love him. I will choose to read my Bible and see the promises of God and say, that's for me. That's for my family. That's for my marriage. And guess what? We get the fruit and benefits of that because he loves us. You're not a rock and a robot. God is not going to force any single person in this room to do anything. But he wants a relationship with you. So we have free will. Now, the free will that we have, the problem that can lie behind that is that when we choose evil or make poor choices that disobey God or go against what God is trying to say in our life or what the word of God says is that we commit what the Bible calls a sin. We commit sin. 
And what does sin do in our lives when it's committed? It brings pain and it brings suffering. It brings pain and it brings suffering. This is why one of the reasons I believe the Bible tells us and God allows pain and suffering is for your very own protection. I believe pain and suffering literally alerts you from danger and from hurting yourself even further by the choices that you have made. Okay, just follow me here. Imagine if, imagine if we never experienced pain. That'd be pretty awesome, right? But would it? I'll explain it like this. I remember when I was playing college football and it was my junior year and I know the moment I said college football, some of you are judging and thinking I'm lying. I promise you, I, you know, I used to be, I used to be something back in my day. And, uh, but I remember very vividly, it's my junior year and we're in a very intense game. It's an away game in a hostile environment and, and this is a game that you wanted, like you didn't want to get off the field for nothing. And I remember it was a critical play and I went for a tackle and I ended up fracturing my ribs and I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck it up. I'm going to tough it out. And I just, even breathing hurt. The pain was unbearable. And so I was like, man, I'll do whatever it takes to stay in. And so I was given a painkiller to ease my pain. And once I got that painkiller, I didn't feel anything. Yeah, I was like, yo, I'm ready. I've been healed. I've been delivered. I'm ready to go. Like, I'm like, this is it. And so because I felt no more pain, I played as if I was healed. And I was diving everywhere. I was jumping. I was, I was like laying my body on the line. It did not matter. But I felt nothing. Now, as the game was ending and we're heading back to the buses, we're getting ready to go back to school, a sharp, sharp, I mean, it, like excruciating pain were happening in my ribs. And it was worse than how it felt when I first was injured. And why did that happen? Because the painkillers took away the pain but didn't solve the problem didn't solve the problem what it did was it, it 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 made it seem like I was healed but I played and when I played I made myself worse my ribs were worse my pain was worse I did not help myself because I did not have pain and I believe if you and I can sin against God disobey God and there is no repercussion there is no pain or suffering then guess what? We would continue to commit sin over and over and over and over and over and over and over because there is no repercussions. There is no love from God. And this is what I believe. I believe that all pain and suffering is not from God. It's from the choices we make. It's from the things that we choose to do or not do that brings pain and suffering, but we blame God. And that's not the case. And here's another fact, is that something that happened to you was because somebody else made a wrong choice and it affected you. But it was not God and he did not want that to happen. And so we gotta be careful not to put God in this light as a villain because he's not. Whether it's abuse or harm, whatever was causing to your life, that person had free will and they chose wrong. They chose wrong to hurt you. It's not saying it's right or acceptable, but it was them, they chose it. It was their free will. And that's why suffering comes from free will. So in order for God to remove all sin, all suffering, all evil, all pain, he can only do two things. He removes our free will or he literally removes us. And he doesn't want to do either of those things. One, because we're sinners, so he has to remove us, but he gave us a, a solution in Jesus. But then what, remove our free will? Well, then he, we, won't, we won't really love him. And he wants to be in a relationship with us now here's a question i believe people should be asking but aren't when it comes to why does god allow suffering and pain and evil 
If there is no God, who decides there's evil? If there is no God, who is our moral compass for how to live? Who is it? Because if there has to be authority for there to be a standard. So God is our authority and I have a standard of how I should live. And when I live at the standard of God, doesn't mean I'm going to avoid pain, but I'm going to be in his perfect will. And that's the safest place to be. But, but what do I do? Well, God's not my authority. I don't believe in God. So what do I do? I base my morality on human beings. I don't know. Because none of us are perfect. Human beings should not determine who is good or who is evil or what is good or what is evil. And so if we're honest with ourselves and just think a little bit here, I just think we, we cannot use the presence of pain and suffering and evil as proof that God does not exist. In actuality, it's the fact that pain and suffering and evil exist that God exists. It's more proof that God is real. Well, well, if God makes me suffer, then he doesn't love me. No, that's not the case. Suffering doesn't equate to a lack of love. Think about physical therapy for a second here. Physical therapy is horrible. It's horrible. I've been there too many times. And I wonder if they actually do hurt people for pleasure. I, I wonder that. Because it's supposed to help you, but it's so very sadistic. It's terrible. Put your arm back here, stretch over here, deep tissue massage. It's like, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. But their job is to cause you pain now, knowing that there's something better on the way. That the more pain that is caused or the more hurting that is placed on your body, it's going to help you come back better, stronger, healthier. And here's all I'm trying to say is that the presence of real pain leads to the presence of real love. Pain does not mean God is not real. No, it means that he's real and that he's for us and he loves us. What is happening in our lives is not just for malintent. It's, it's, there's purpose. God will never waste your pain. Don't know how it's going to look like in your life, but I know it's not going to be wasted. It'll never be wasted. No matter how horrific the event that happened to you, it will not be wasted. And it may take years to see it, but I promise you, it'll never be wasted. The presence of real pain is the evidence of real love. Now, this raises another question. The second question I want to ask us is, why do bad things happen to good people? You ever asked that? You ever had somebody ask you that? Coworker, family member? Why does bad things happen to good people? Okay, to answer that question, I'm a little weary because I don't think we might enjoy what I have to say about this when it comes to bad things happening to good people. You see, the Bible tells us that none of us are good people. Notice we always ask this question of not about ourselves, but about other people. None of us are good people. Look what it says in Romans 3.23. For all have, fall, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, every single one of us. You, me, every, every single one of us are sinners. I will fail. I'm a good person. I do good things. I'm not that bad. I won't commit that crime. Okay, I'll just confess for you. Me, Phil, my heart leads me to do bad things. I have hurt people. 
I've hurt my family, I've hurt my friends. I've sinned against people. I've sinned against God countless of times. My heart doesn't always lead me to do good things. My mind sometimes is full of bad thoughts. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And all of us are sinners. And until we realize that, we will not experience the power of God in our lives until we hold on to that. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. No, no, I, I, that's, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. The truth is we are. And I think if we could think about it, if we could be honest with ourselves, we know it. We know that truth. And so, so here's the thing. All of us are sinners. So the question, why does bad things happen to good people, doesn't have weight to it because of this fact right here. Listen to me. It's because one bad thing happened to one good person. One bad thing happened to one good person. Only Jesus Christ. Only Jesus was a good person. He was the only good person to ever walk the face of this planet. And a bad thing happened to a good person. And here's what he did. He volunteered because he was good. He was perfect. He was the son of God. He says, you know what? I'll take your place because you're the bad one. I'm the bad one. And I'll suffer for you. I'll take the cross for you. I'll be in pain for you. I'll embrace evil for you. I'll volunteer. I'll take your place. I'll be the one, the son of God. The king of kings took our place and came down to the form of a human being. And literally took the epitome of pain, suffering, and evil on his shoulders for you and for me. He's the only good person. He's the only good person. Nothing bad. We don't, I don't want to say nothing bad, but it's, it's, it's almost like, how do we expect to ever have anything good, good happen to us when we know who we are? And that's what makes God's grace and mercy so beautiful. It's that every day I have a, I'm a brand new man in Christ Jesus. I'm a brand new woman in Christ Jesus. And I didn't deserve it. And it should have been me on that cross. And I should have died. And my sin should have killed me. But only Jesus saves me, took on my sin. He separated from God on the cross. Why would he do this? Why would he do this for us? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. But listen to me, you'll have eternal life. Jesus knew that without death, there can't be resurrection. Without hurt, there can't be healing. And without darkness, there can't be light. And without his resurrection, you will not know that there's something better on the way and it's called eternal life. Eternal life. It's a gift from Jesus to us. Why did he suffer for us? Because he knows you're suffering. He's been there. He's, he knows it. We do not have a high priest that does not know what we've been through. We all know. He knows what you've gone through. The pain that you feel, he has felt it because he was human like you and I. And he did it because he loves you. I love what Tim Ke Timothy Keller says, incredible theologian pastor. He says, is therefore, though Christianity does not provide the reason for each experience of pain, it provides deep resources for actually facing suffering with hope and courage rather than bitterness and despair. And this leads me to another reason why I think pain and suffering is from God at times. It's this is because pain and suffering helps us consider eternity. It helps us see heaven in a new light. You know, sometimes we get caught up in the here and the now, but don't realize the promise of heaven. 
how beautiful that promise is for us. Nobody else has this promise except us as believers in Jesus. Anyone who puts their faith, not only see, their faith in Jesus, not only gets the power of the cross, but they get the power of resurrection in their life. And in order to see the power of resurrection in your life, you need to see the power of not having the power of resurrection in your life looks like. A secular view, an atheistic view of the future of life after death is sad. If you don't believe in Jesus, your future is when you die, that's it. Game over. Hope you enjoyed it while, you, while it lasted. There's nothing else for you. Other religions just say you'll be reincarnated to something worse. It's like, I don't want to be reincarnated to an animal. I want to be reincarnated back to like a human being. Like, why would I do that? But the resurrection view that comes with Christianity, it's this. This is the promise that we have, that every horrible thing that's ever happened to you will be undone and it'll be repaired. It'll be undone. It'll be gone. It'll be fixed. It'll be repaired. Max Lucado says this, heaven is God's answer to any suffering you may face. It hurts right now, but there's something better on the way. Look what it says, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It's gonna be better than anything you compare it to heaven. There's nothing like it. Matthew 19, look at the promise we get from Jesus. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you in the new earth, because we're gonna to go to heaven and then Jesus is gonna come back for the new earth. And that's super theological, but it's awesome if you can look it up, it's incredible. When the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. For everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, or lands, for me, you're gonna receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. That's the promise you have. Jesus insisted that his return when that new world comes down all will be healed everything will be healed revelations 21 4 says he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all things are gone forever they're done no more pain no more suffering no more evil no more injustice he's gonna fix it all for you and for me for this planet for this earth for his creation because he's a good creator. It's gonna be fixed. Oh, what you're going through right now is hard, but it's not your future. It's not, it's not. There's something better coming your way. C.S. Lewis says this, they say of some temporal suffering, they say of bad times, hard times, no future bliss can make up for it. Nothing can redeem what I've gone through not knowing that heaven once attained will work backwards and turn even the agony into glory it's the beauty of heaven it's a reversal what you were going through on earth is gone and now you have a brand new body life everything is undone and it's all a gift from jesus so third and final question the band can come up talked about why does god allow suffering why do bad things happen to good people and now I want to just ask this is why doesn't God always prevent evil and pain and suffering like when we pray why isn't it taken away on the spot which he can do there's been moments testimonies of people who have prayed and they've been healed on the spot God is sovereign he chooses when to do it when to not he, that's 
that's not my job. God is sovereign, I am not. He is the one with all wisdom. But when you're on the flip side of that, where it's like, I prayed and wasn't healed. I prayed, I wasn't provided for. I prayed and I didn't get an answer right away. Why does God not prevent these bad things from happening to me? I'll follow up that question with this question. Who would you be today if it wasn't for pain and suffering in your life? Who would you be? Who would you be? What kind of father would you be? What kind of mother would you be? What kind of husband, wife, son, daughter, coworker, friend, leader? What kind of person would you be without pain and suffering? Because you know what the reality is? In those moments, friends, we find out who we really are. When we're back against the corner and adversity is staring us right in the face, who are you? How do you respond to adversity? What do, you, what do you do? Who do you become? Are you still as patient as you think you are? Are you still as strong as you think you are? Or is that a moment to say, God, I need you to show me who I am. And I need you to show me who you are again in these moments. So Paul did. Paul did that in the second Corinthians 12, seven through nine. He says, for me, to, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I prayed, I begged, I pleaded with God about this so that it should leave me. But look what God says to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect, not good, not ex, perfect in weakness. So what does that lead Paul to do? Well, therefore I will boast all more gladly in all my weaknesses. I'm gonna find out who I am and what my weaknesses are. Because if I find that out, I will know more about me and I'll know more about, more about God and His grace and His goodness. So I will rejoice. Even though it's hard, I will be singing songs of praise. Even though it's hard, but I know who I am and who God wants me to be. Sometimes pain drives us to God. We we're saying, Phil, that's not loving. Why would God just give me pain just so he could be driven to me? Here's the thing. It is loving. It is good. Because anything that drives you and me to God is a good thing. Even though it's hard, even though it may seem evil or injustice, if it brings us to the feet of Jesus, it's a good thing. Because it keeps us from doing things in our own way, in our own strength, in our own understanding. It's like, no, God. I'm going to you. I don't understand it. I'm fudging. I'm angry at you. But I'm going to go to you and not anybody else. And so in our times of suffering, let's stop asking why and start asking what now, God? What do you want? What do you have for me? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to show my family? What, how are you trying to grow me in this situation? And it might not happen right away because you're hurting and you have so much pain. But don't give up and don't keep asking why because God may never ask or answer that question, but he can reveal the answer through your what now. And I know that sounds cynical to say because I don't know where you're going through, and I'm sorry, I don't. But I know in my life, I've seen cancer survivors. I've seen depression overcomers. I've seen it, and it wasn't easy, and it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows, but it's how we choose where we go. Do I keep on going in my own direction, or do I follow God even though it hurts, even though it doesn't feel good? We have a choice. And so what are we gonna do? And I'll conclude with this.
Do you remember our friend Asaph in the beginning of our message? Look at what Asaph says when he walked continually and faithfully with God. He says, when I try to understand this, remember the questions he was asking, God, where are you? How can you let this happen? Is my, is my serving for nothing? Is my love for nothing? How can this happen? He goes, I try to understand all this. Just like some of you are trying to put questions and formulas and it's like, God, I'm trying to figure this out. It troubled me deeply. Like some of you are troubled deeply in this room today. Till, till I entered the sanctuary of God. I was looking for the answers. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm troubled deeply till, till I entered into the sanctuary of God. I didn't enter altogether. I didn't enter in, in one piece. I'm in pieces. I'm all over the place. I'm dragging my problems with me, but I'd rather enter the sanctuary of God than the sanctuary of my own thoughts. And so he goes on to say this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So there may be a day when you look back on what you are going through right now, the worst day, worst week, worst moment, and say, I wouldn't want anybody to experience this ever. And I don't want to experience this ever again. But I did experience the presence of God like never before. I did experience the comfort of God's people like never before. It wasn't good, but it was good for me. It wasn't good, but it was good for me. So if you're hurting in this place today, you're wrestling, you got questions. I, again, I, I wish we had more time. I would talk to your connect groups, talk to pastors, do your own study, but here's what I'll say this. If you're hurting, remember, you're living in the not there yet. You're living in the not there yet. And your healing is coming. Your answer is coming. Your new body is coming. Your new life is coming. It is, it's, it's, it's gonna happen. It's a promise. God is, he doesn't break his promises. It's coming, have heart, take heart. It's coming for all of us. And so when there's evil, suffering and pain, guess what? It's been defeated already. Doesn't feel like it, but it's been defeated. So you walk out of here with your head held up high. You walk out of here with strength in your body because God is good even when life is not. And God is good even though I don't feel like it. And God is good even though my family's falling apart. And God is good even though I have cancer. And God is good even though I'm depressed. And God is good no matter what is happening in my life. So why don't we sing this out? Come on, we need a touch of heaven here today. Heaven fall on us here in this moment. God, let your presence be here today. Come on, Jim, let's sing this out. It's to live within your love and be undone by who you are. And my desire is to know.
looking around because I don't want this to be a moment where we just peek and see people doing this, but if you're in this place and you, and you recently lost a loved one, you recently lost a loved one, I just want to pray for you. As a church, we want to pray for you. And we want to mourn with those that mourn. We want to be with those that are in need. And a message like this, I just can't help but feel in my heart that this is tough. It's a tough pill to swallow this truth. It's true what God is saying with the Bible. It's true, but it doesn't make it less difficult to deal with. And my heart breaks for you. My heart mourns with you. And I just want to pray for you. And I want to remind you that that same promise of heaven, those that we lost, whether it's my family or your family or your friends or my friends, those people are experiencing the paradise right now. And one day we're going to see them again. That's the beauty of heaven is that we're going to see our friends and family again. And that's why there's no one like God. So there's nothing like Jesus. So if that's you, if you could just lift up your hand real quick, if that's you. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just pray for every single person that has their hands up. God, I pray for comfort, 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 Lord Jesus. Comfort them in this moment, Holy Spirit. They would feel your presence in this moment, Lord Jesus. As your word says, you lift the head of those crushed in spirit. I pray that you would lift their heads this morning. Be with them, Holy Spirit. They would be comforted. They would have peace. God, you would give strength like that of eagles, Lord Jesus. That their broken heart would be healed. That their frustrations, God, you could take them. Their anger, that you could take it, Lord. That they would run to you. They would go to you. They would lean on you. They would, they would depend on you like never before, Jesus pray they'll be surrounded by their family, their friends in this moment, that they're not alone. And I pray that they would remember the promise that you have given us, God, of heaven. That God, that when we, when we take one step out of this life, we, we take our first step in eternity with you, Jesus. And par the paradise that you speak of on the cross. Comfort them, Lord Jesus. Minister to them right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. If you're in this place, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know Jesus. Maybe you're an atheist. Maybe you want to believe in Christianity. You kind of like Jesus. You like some of the things that he talks about. You think he's a smart guy. He's a good guy. But you haven't surrendered your life to him. You haven't made a decision to live by the principles of the word of God. I want to give you an opportunity. See, I talked about this earlier in the message, but we're all sinners. You and me, we're sinners. Guys, it is what it is. We are sinners. But there's good news for us. It's the best part. In order to really enjoy the good news, you got to hear the bad news, and we're, we're sinners. But there is a way out that Jesus gave us by his sacrifice. You see, Jesus, he was the only good person. Why? Because he was God in human form. The Son of God left the comfort of heaven to join us on earth, to be human just like you and me, was born as a baby, went through his teenage years, was a young adult, and then... It came into the moment at the age of 30, he began his mission and ministry. And he knew on that day when he was arrested, the time had come, the mission was at hand. The plan between him and God, what he was sharing with us in the word was that I have to die. It's going to happen, my friends. Let's have this in the last supper. He's with his friends. I'm going to die, guys. The time is coming. And the time came and he gave his life to the authorities. Jesus was perfect. He did nothing wrong. He gave his life. He volunteered his life. He said, hey, I'll do it. And he was tried illegally. He was judged illegally. The whole justice system at that time was rigged to get Jesus on that cross. But that's okay. 
That's okay, because Jesus knew. And nobody took his life, he gave up his life. Those people that have power over Jesus, he had the power and he knew he had to do this. So he was beaten, he was tortured, he was, he was humiliated. He was abandoned by his friends. He's put on that cross, hands nailed, feet nailed, a crown of thorns to mock him. And on that cross, he was alone. He was abandoned by God for a time being, but, but he did it for you and for me because he loves you so much. Loves you so, so much. Jesus, he dies on that cross, takes his last breath on that cross. They take the body of Jesus, they put it in a tomb. And for three days, it looks like Jesus was a crazy person. He lied. He said he was going to resurrect. He said he was going to beat death. He said he was going to do all these things. Where is Jesus now? But the Bible, what it tells us and why we worship so joyfully is because we know when they went to go look for Jesus, his body was not in that tomb anymore. And what did that signify? It signified that he had defeated what he said he was going to defeat, which was sin and death. Because here's the thing. Once he defeated sin, guess what? Now death was defeated because when we die, we have eternal life. You are no longer bound by sin and death if you give your life to Jesus. Now here's the thing. You ready? It's your choice. You choose if you want to give your life to Jesus. I'm not forcing anybody. I'm not trying to play with your emotions. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you do it. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And I want to give you the opportunity today. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to have forgiveness of our sins. You want to have a brand new beginning today. You want to know that when you die on this earth, your first step in heaven is secure. That hell will not be your like will not be your everlasting life no it'll be heaven and paradise eternal life the new earth the new body but while you're on earth you have purpose you have jesus with you every step of the way if you want a brand new beginning today the, the opportunity is yours so with every eye bowed every eye closed or every head bowed every eye closed i want to give you an opportunity so i'm going to ask you in the count of three you lift up your hand i'm not going to put a mic in your face i'm not going to embarrass you i just want to see what i'm praying for so if that's you on the count of three you lift up your hands to receive the grace of jesus one two three hands already up god bless you god bless you god bless you i see you awesome god bless you in the back awesome god bless you god bless you god bless you god bless you awesome you can put your hands down thank you so much god bless you i see you in the back my man awesome Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna celebrate you in a moment. We're so proud of you, we're so honored. You're, we're so thankful, glory to God, that you made the decision. Here's what we wanna do, we wanna, we wanna lead you in a prayer. And uh, this prayer, it's a repeat after me prayer. Really what it is, it's just helping you maybe pray your first prayer. And uh, this is you though, talking to Jesus and committing to surrender your life and saying, Jesus, I'm all in for you. And so we just want to make this first prayer, this first declaration easy for you. And guess what? Your brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to say it with you. We're not going to leave you behind. We got your back. And so church, let's say this loud and proud and full of love. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my Savior, to be my God. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I thank you and I love you. And everybody said, come on, can we go crazy? And can we celebrate all those hands? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for every single hand that was raised. Man, incredible.
So, so glory to God for those hands. And we really mean this. It is the best decision you can ever make. I promise you, your marriage will be better. Your life will be better. You're not going to avoid what we talked about, but you'll have Jesus with you every step of the way. Thank you so much, Alain. And here's the thing. You want to know more about the blessings and the promises of God and the maturity and the wisdom? Because here's the thing. You raise your hand, you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do now as a Christian? What's my next step? Well, here's what we want to do. We want to make that easy for you. We want to give you a gift, and that's a free Bible from us to you. We have an amazing dream team out there that are the, they are the nicest people on planet Earth, and they just want to get a Bible in your hands. And here's the thing. You're going to have questions, and that's okay. Get a Bible. Get in this book. We have a Bible here, and the resource, why well, I love it, is because it has little side notes, how to pray, what is faith, should I get baptized, all that stuff can help you start walking with Jesus, and the old ways you left behind will stay left behind, and your new life in Jesus will be secure because you have the Word of God in your life. And so get one of these. It'll be the second best decision you ever make. And so get one of those. And Man, can we put our hands together for those hands one more time? There's so many hands. Amazing. Hey, I pray as we worship one more time as we leave out of here, I just pray that today you would just feel more confident in how to share the gospel with somebody at your workplace. Because like I said earlier, I believe that people are wrestling with this question more than any philosophical question ever. And I pray that today you learned a little bit and have more confidence to say, I'm not going to share knowledge just because I want to feel smart. No, I want to share what I learned in church every single Sunday to love people better. And so I just pray, I want to pray for your work week. I want to pray for your family time. I want to make sure that you know that God has chosen you to spread the gospel and you are more than equipped you have the holy spirit inside of you and calvary church is going to make a dent for jesus in miami because of you and you and you and all of us in this room so let me pray for you as we worship one more time lord jesus we thank you for your word we thank you for your goodness your grace your mercy god we thank you for sending your son jesus to die for us we thank you that pain evil and suffering though it hurts it does not have the last word over our life so I just pray as we walk out of church today, as we worship you one last time, God, we would be encouraged in our soul. So Lord, we love you. We lift up our eyes to see you. So let me pray. Amen.